God has given us some awesome promises. The greatest of which, no doubt, is the promise of eternity with Him in heaven. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. What a destiny we have. What a great promise to look forward to. The struggle for us, however, though, is that that promise is is off in the future, and sometimes we get so distracted by all the things that are going on down here that it's hard to hang on to that promise that's for the next life. And I think that's why it's also important for us to recognize that some of God's promises are for right here. Some of God's promises are for what we have here in this life. God's promises are not all about eternity. And we could look at a host of promises that God has offered, but I think that perhaps the greatest promise that God has offered is the promise of peace, as we just read in Philippians chapter 4. The struggle for us is that even as Christians, sometimes we don't have a lot of peace. We live in a world that has sin. Because the world has sin, there's a lot of turmoil and a lot of struggle, and, and we end up going through a lot of that, sometimes from our own making, sometimes because of other people. We have work struggles and family struggles and financial struggles, material struggles, health struggles. We have fears and doubts and resentments that cause turmoil inside us. Guilt and shame from our past sins bring up turmoil and struggle and anxiety within our lives. Our procrastination, our pride and arrogance, our impatience sometimes cause us to have turmoil and struggle. But the thing that we need to understand is that it can be better than that. In fact, God has promised that for us, it will be better than that. Understand that God's promise of peace is not an overnight promise. It's not an issue of, I ask for peace today and, and by tomorrow I've got it. God's peace is a promise that grows as we grow. But the thing that we need to understand is that God really has promised us peace. And we need to look forward to that promise. We need to hang on to that promise. But we need to understand what that promise really is. We need to understand what God has not promised, so we'll give up chasing false hopes. We need to understand what that promise really is. And we need to understand how we can attain that promise. And that's what I want us to do this morning. Before we do that, would you bow with me, please? God of peace in heaven, we love you and praise you because you are awesome. And we know that our peace and serenity comes from you. Father, we know that you are not a God of confusion, but are the God of peace. And we're thankful that you allow us to be a part of your plan. Help us to be at peace. Help us to be at peace with you. Help us to be at peace with others. But help us to have the internal peace that allows us to face whatever comes. Father, we know that you are the author of that peace and you are the giver of it. And we pray that you would bring that about in our lives. Help us to surrender to you and to your spirit so that your peace can guard our hearts and minds. Father, we pray that you be with us throughout this lesson. 
that you will be glorified, that this lesson will be about you and not about me and not about us here, but it will be about lifting you up and honoring and praising you because you are the awesome God. Father, we love you, and we thank you for loving us. Through your Son's name we pray. Amen. First thing I do want to note is that God really has promised peace to us. In John chapter 14 and verse 27, in John chapter 14 and verse 27, Jesus told the apostles, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He was telling the apostles, I am going to leave my peace with you. It's not the kind of thing that the world thinks of as peace. This is real peace. This is, this is a greater peace than just the idea of a political or military peace that goes on in the world. And he says, because I'm leaving this peace with you, your hearts don't have to be troubled. You can abandon your fears. Those will all be taken away because Jesus has promised us peace. We read moments ago in Philippians chapter 4, perhaps the greatest passage of promising God's peace. In verse 5, he said, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. What is that going to produce? That's going to produce the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He goes on to say, Finally, brothers, whatever is true and whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What happens when we do that? Well, what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. He says peace can guard our hearts and minds. It's a peace that the world doesn't know. It's a peace that even we may not understand. It's definitely a peace that the world won't understand. They won't understand how as we face all the turmoils and struggles of life that we can have the peace and serenity that we have in Jesus Christ. They won't get it. They won't understand it. We may not even understand it. But God has promised us peace. And then in John chapter 16 and verse 33, John chapter 16 and verse 33. Jesus again speaks of the peace that He offers. In John chapter 16 and verse 33, Jesus said, I have said these things to you that in Me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus says the reason He has taught what He has taught is so that in Him we can have peace. Now, in the world there will be tribulation. And I think there's a twofold idea here. The, the fact is that even as Christians with peace, there's going to be tribulation from the world. But there's also that dichotomy that in Christ there's peace, in the world there's tribulation. Those are our two choices. But this is Jesus' promise to us. It's peace. We need to hang on to this promise. We need to understand that, that this is something that God is saying that He is going to give us. And because of that, we can allow our fears and our doubts and all of that to, to subside and hand all of that over to God. And allow His peace to fill our hearts and minds. That's the promise that God has for us. And do you understand what it means when God promises that? That means it will happen. It's something we can look forward to. 
Even if we don't have it fully right now, we know that God is going to give it to us. It will happen. Not may happen. Not can happen. It will happen. That's what it means when God promises that. But what is God promising here? I think, first of all, we need to find out what he's not promising. Because a lot of people have misunderstandings about what peace really is. And and so when they hear that God has promised peace, they start looking for things that aren't really peace. First thing we need to understand is that God is not promising everything we want. A lot of folks have the idea that they will only be at peace once they have everything their heart desires. And therefore, they think that's what peace is. Peace means having all that my heart desires. In fact... I was watching a movie just the other night where somebody was had come across millions of dollars and, and as they're out shopping and getting all this stuff, they left the store and they said, my heart is at peace. And of course, the movie went to show that that wasn't the case. Her heart really wasn't. It really didn't help. She just had to have more and more. But see, that's the idea that a lot of people have is that being at peace means having everything I want. Therefore, there's no anxiety or no concern. That's just not the case. Look in Philippians chapter 4. Right after Paul had given this great promise of peace, he goes on to talk about his own life. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 12, he says, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. We're going to talk a little bit about Paul's contentment that he has here, but the first thing I want you to notice is that Paul had needs. He had peace, but he still had needs. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 27. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 27, Paul talked about his life as a Christian as he traveled around teaching the gospel, bringing people to Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 27, it talks about that he had toil and hardship through many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Here was a man who said he had peace that passed understanding, and yet sometimes he went hungry. Sometimes he was cold. Sometimes he was thirsty. Sometimes he didn't get to sleep. Sometimes he was in exposure. That means he didn't have a home. Perhaps he didn't have proper clothing. And yet, this is the man that tells us about God's great promise of peace. You see, when God promises us peace, he's not saying, I'm going to give you everything that you want. No, God's peace is greater than that. When God promises peace... He's not saying that we're going to get along with everybody. In Matthew chapter 10, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 34, Jesus said this, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. The peace that God is promising us is not that everybody is going to get along with us. It's not the peace that says we have no enemies. It's not the peace that says because of the way we live, everybody likes and loves us. That's not the peace that God is promising. I know what it says in Romans chapter 12. In Romans chapter 12, and I believe it's about verse 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. 
God tells us that we need as much as we possibly can to live peaceably with all. That's true. And yet, even that statement itself points out that it doesn't completely depend upon us. That there are other folks that despite how we live just won't be at peace with us. The peace that God promises doesn't mean everybody is going to like you. It doesn't mean that nobody's ever going to hurt you. It just doesn't mean that. God's peace is greater than that. And the third thing that this doesn't mean, God is not promising that life's going to be easy for us. In Acts chapter 14 and verse 22, Paul had gone on his first missionary journey with Barnabas and they had traveled through Cyprus and Perga and Iconium and Lystra and Derbe and Antioch and Pisidia. And then they had gone back through and they were appointing elders. And the thing that Paul said to them, in verse 22 of Acts 14, he was strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Life is not easy just because we are Christians. Even though we are Christians, the hard things of life still happen. And we suffer sometimes, even though we are Christians. Christians still get sick. Christians still get laid off. Christians still get betrayed. Christians still get hurt. Not only that, what this passage really points out is that sometimes we suffer, not even though we are Christians, but because we are Christians. God's peace for us is not a promise that everything is just going to be easy. Well, what is it then? What is God's peace? Because these are the things we often think of when we want peace. Well, God's peace is greater than these things. The first thing we need to understand is that God's peace is a connection with God. Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 31. In Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 31, Paul said, Romans 8, 31, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The peace that God offers is a connection to God. Sadly, so much of the turmoil that we have internally is because we are seeking that great connection. And regrettably, we all too often seek it in the wrong places. Because of seeking a connection, folks turn to immorality and codependent relationships, on-again, off-again relationships. It's because of seeking that connection that folks turn to drugs and alcohol, gambling, gluttony, 
so many things, seeking for something to fill in that hole in our lives. And what God is saying is, is that we can have that connection with Him. And God's peace, the peace that He offers, is that connection that we can have with Him. Instead of retreating into the isolation that we so often do, cutting ourselves off from everyone, including God. God's peace is the connection so that whether we face peril or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sore, we know that nothing takes Him away from us. We know that He's there. That we're in His hands. And that He loves and cares for us. Having that connection is peace. The peace that God offers is contentment. In Philippians chapter 4, again, we learn from Philippians chapter 4 and verse 12 that it doesn't mean getting everything we want, but it does mean being content where we are. It does mean having a satisfaction that God is with us and we're with God and He's got us where He wants us. And He's given us what He wants us to have. Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse 10, he says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. The peace that God offers is a peace that says, I can be satisfied where I am. This removes so much of the contention we have with others because we're not trying to get what they have. This removes so much of the anxiety about losing what we have because we know that even if we do, we'll be okay. We're with God. This gets rid of a lot of the anxiety we have about trying to hoard things to ourselves. Because we're content where God has. It's a contentment that says God's goals are good enough for me. It's a contentment that says God's will is what I want in my life. It's a contentment that says where I am right now is where God wants me to be and I'll be happy to do His will right here. It gets rid of some of the arrogance and the pride because, well, who do we have to impress? We don't have to prove anything to anybody because we're content where we are. God's peace is contentment. And God's peace is conviction. Again, in Romans chapter 8, this time in verse 28. Paul in Romans 8, 28 said, We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. God's peace is a conviction that even when things aren't easy for us, we know that God is working things together for good. We don't always understand it. And there's some bad things that happen and, and we ask ourselves, how could God let this happen? But God's peace is always there that says, God will make it work out for good. I don't know how He's going to do it, but He will. You see, the conviction of peace is the conviction that says, I'm going to let God be God, and I don't have to be. I don't have to fix it all. I don't have to run it all. I don't have to make it all work out. That's God's job, and I know He's going to do it. 
I'm content. God has me where He wants me to be. I'm connected. God is with me. And I'm convicted. God's going to take care of this. And so I'm going to put it in His hands. I'm going to turn it over to Him and let Him be God. And let me just be the servant who surrenders my life to Him. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 13. In 1 Peter chapter 4. Verse 13, Peter says, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Peter says, first of all, if you're doing what's good and right, who's going to cause you to harm? Or who's going to cause you harm? But even if they do, you know that in the end you're going to be blessed. See, there's that conviction. Even when folks cause me harm, I know that God will work it out for blessing for me. And so what do I need to do? I just need to be able to give to others the reason for my hope. have a good conscience. I just need to keep doing what's right. Because I know that God will take care of it. And as this connection and contentment and conviction grows within us, God's peace will grow within us. Whatever we face, persecution, famine, sword, ill health, Age, betrayal, hurt, even death. We'll have peace. That's what God promises us. We need to point out one other thing. Peace is a gift. Peace is not something we can reach out and take. I know this is going to sound odd because I'm sitting here talking to you about the promise of peace and and we're all saying to ourselves, that's what I want. I want that peace. But the thing that you need to understand is that this peace is not something that you can just reach out and grab. It's not something that you can work on peace and therefore you'll get peace. No, peace is a gift that God gives us. In fact, when we look at the promises that we have, in John chapter 14 and verse 27, Jesus said, peace I leave with you. Not peace you need to go get, but peace I leave with you. In Philippians 4, 6 through 7 and verse 9, it's the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds. It's not go get the peace. It's if you do these things, God's peace will guard you. And the God of peace will be with you. It comes from God. And in John 16 and verse 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Not go get peace. It's in me you'll have it. When we understand the nature that it's God's promise to us, we need to understand that it's something that God gives. It's not something that we go get. Consider some other passages. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, Paul says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, for the longest time, I mistaught the fruit of the Spirit. 
I would say things like, we need to work on love and we need to work on uh, joy and peace. And, and certainly other passages deal with those things as things that we work on, but that's not what this passage is saying. This passage is not saying, if you improve in love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness, then you'll be walking in the Spirit. What this passage says is, if you walk in the Spirit, these are the things that you'll get. This is the fruit that you bear. You see that? Paul is not saying work on peace so you can be in the Spirit. He says work on being in the Spirit so that the Spirit will bear the fruit of peace in your life. Now, you may find it hard to see that there, but look in Romans chapter 8 and verse 6. Paul really nails it down in Romans chapter 8 and verse 6. He says this. In Romans 8 and verse 6, Paul says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. You see what Paul's saying in these two passages? Paul is saying, he's telling us, you, you don't go out and work on peace and then you'll get it. Work on living by the Spirit's will. Surrender your life to what God has said and peace is what you'll get. And those of us who have worked really hard at trying to get peace in one way or another will recognize the truth of this. Because we've worked and worked and committed and committed and said, we're going to have this peace and I'm going to work on it and I'm going to work on peace. And we think we get it all in a row and then something has and chucks it all out the window. Something comes up and just destroys the peace that we've had. that We've worked on so hard. What Paul is saying is you work on walking by the Spirit and peace is what you'll get. And finally, we can look in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 16. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16. And Paul again says, and he, he mentions a prayer that we need to have this prayer. We need to be praying this for us, and we need to be praying this for, this for everyone around us. Now may the Lord of peace Himself give you peace at all times, in every way. The Lord be with you all. That's what we need to be praying. Not, Lord, let me be peaceful. Lord, give me peace. Reminds me of the serenity prayer. You've heard it. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, the wisdom to know the difference. And what that points out is that serenity, peace, is a gift. It's not something we make for ourselves. It's something that because we've given our lives over to God, God gives us. It's a promise. It's a promise that grows, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, as we give our lives over to God and let Him control our lives. Peace increases. What an amazing promise God has given us. It's one of the reasons we need to keep doing what we're doing. It's because God has said, if you turn your life over to me, I'll give you peace. I'll give you love, I'll give you joy, I'll give you patience, I'll give you kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. I'll give you peace. A peace that the world can't understand. A peace that the world doesn't know. It's ours. But only if we'll just turn our lives over to God. Remember what John 16, verse 33 said? I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. 
in the world you have tribulation. Those are our choices. We can stay in the world and we'll have tribulation. But if you want to have peace, you've got to come into Christ. Now again, it's, it's a growth promise. That doesn't mean you'll come into Christ today, be baptized, and tomorrow you just have peace completely. Now as you grow in Christ, God gives us peace. But Christ is the only place where you can have it. You can't have it out in the world. 